coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick on today's show. We've got some earnings, uh, the retail earnings kind of wrapping up today. Uh, Gap Stores, uh, Raw Stores, Nordstrom, uh, Foot Locker this morning, Hibbit Sports, a couple others as well. So William Sonoma, so we'll get to uh, get to those guys. Of course, we'll talk about this Tesla event from last night, what happened and uh, the, the follow-through from that this morning. That's kind of the story of the morning, at least for us in our office. Uh, some ratings as well, and we'll talk about the industrials today with our guest, John Inge, senior analyst at Gordon Haskett. We know he knows that space incredibly well, so he will join us at 8.35. And then after John Inge, we will do a hot potato segment. I am told it is going to be myself versus Dennis, and Joel came out with the questions all by himself, so if it goes great, it's on him. If it goes bad, it's on you. Joel, uh, what's the word here overnight? <laughs> it's going to be a true hot potato segment here. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. No, no, uh, no fake hot potato segments. Uh, we're in the green here. Five and three quarters handles, 3109.75. Great levels on the upside here. I'm going to talk to Dennis about this when it comes on. 1450, we match yesterday's high. We have a double close above that at 18 and a half. So we've got a little wall building up here uh, in the S&P futures. See if we can take it out today. Uh, crude uh, in the 58 handle here, uh, down 14 cents at uh, 58.44. Gold in the green by 580 at 14.69.40. Silver above $17, 17.12 even. That's up 5.5 cents in Bitcoin. Down again, down 495 here, clinging to the $7,000 level. This is on the futures, and I'm looking at the volume. There's a pretty heavy volume here. Uh, nearly 5,000 contracts have traded so far. Uh, Triple D. Uh, up? Uh, what's up? So, up? Do you see? Uh, do you see all this resistance I'm talking about here? The resistance in those windows? No. <laughs> oh no. No, in the spider. In the SPY. Let's go check it out. Going to my S&P charts and... It's probably not as... I see a couple. I see that we haven't went up for a couple days, but where are you talking? Talk to me. What uh, should I do? Sell everything? No. I mean, you got the all-time high at 312.69, right? I like it and when then, you talk spy to me. Right. And then you got a pair... Yeah, let's call it 312. Look at that. You got the pair of closes, the all-time closing high, 312.02. Then the next day you closed at 311.93. So right there, 312, that's a big roadblock to me, the double close area. And uh, then you came up just shy of that area yesterday when you got to 11.85. So that's pretty significant. It's a daily high with two daily closes in the same area. The all-time highs above that. So I'm not saying we can't break through it, but uh, we stalled a bit. We stalled. Yes, yes, we've stalled a little bit. Speaking but, of stalling, Tesla's run stalled as well there last night with this truck event. And what happened? Are you, Nobody even knows you're asking me. I'm not asking <laughs> uh, any of you. What? So I did not watch the unveiling of the truck, but I heard about the unveiling of the truck. So give us the rundown here. 
What happened? The rundown is they have a truck. Uh, I have to say, I found it to be pretty ugly, but I guess it's neither here nor there. It does look very futuristic. I'll say that. It was inspired apparently by Blade Runner. And uh, priced it at $39,900. That's the the electric truck uh, from last night. That that was lower than estimates. I think estimates were, were more were more towards the fifty thousand dollar range. But so that's what they priced uh, the truck at. They had all these all this hype about how strong the truck is, how durable it is. You took a sledgehammer to the side; it didn't even dent it. Uh, they that's took, impressive. Took a sledgehammer. So they, they, did, did you see it? Did they like wind up and take? Yeah, a sledgehammer yeah, yeah. So so, so, first, so first he like wound up and and he like hit like a regular. I guess it was a Ford. Uh, door and it dented it pretty good as you'd think. Uh, <laughs> took, took, took a side timer to the, the Tesla. Uh, didn't uh, didn't dent it at all uh, with the with the Cybertruck. That's they, impressive. And they had some uh, some glass demos where they uh, the the glass didn't break. They dropped the ball from a height and then a and then it, it didn't break. It didn't break at all. And then they threw these glass balls. They threw them at the Cybertruck and it shattered both the windows. So, <laughs> so and, and what did musk say after that he he, he was like uh you know we'll get that fixed um <laughs> but um so so wait i i actually well, I, musk would have like a demo and we're gonna just like try to destroy this truck live here right now and then wait, so, so if, did, I can, it. <laughs> if i can if i can if i can i want to bring on brent slavi here from my news desk hey yeah uh, yeah yeah brentster what's brent, up brent, hey, what brent, brent's got a little observation and i i'm I'm starting. Oh, look, look at that, how that, 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 that cool. news desk looks awesome. Look that at that view right there. Look at that yeah, yes. looks like he actually works and has a job. We should have yeah. Digital. We should have pre-market prep on that TV behind us and not CNBC, oh, but that's okay. Brent, you're the news you got, desk. You got to watch all the news. Brent's got a bit of a hot take here, and I'm, I, take. I'm starting to buy it. Brent, tell us what your hot take is. So hot take. Don't call the the enforcement on me or anything, but I think it was a setup. I think, think the window, on purpose? I think the window smashing was a setup. I sort of thought that way. I saw the CNBC coverage and like CNBC like glossed over all the features of the truck and how it's ugly and whatever. And they went right to window demonstration goes wrong. And I was like, hmm, that's funny. And then, and then uh, somebody walked in and then Spencer walked in and he goes, did you see the windows get smashed? And then, and then we talked about it and then Joel walks in and he goes, did you guys see the windows get smashed? And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest marketing ploy in a while. So I, I just think- went in the YouTube chat and I said, good broken window morning. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's uh, talking about it. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. You're so, right, Brent. Everybody's talking. I don't know if your theory is right, but you got, it, you got people talking again. I think that... Um, I mean, knowing Musk's antics a little bit, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, wow. I don't think I don't think Tesla would ever like admit to this, but a lot of people are talking about it, and I also think it gives Tesla the opportunity to come back in a month or two and go, hey, yeah, in the window issue, we we got to fix. We we spent a lot of resources on it. We got to fix. What I do you think, guys think? I think there, I think you could be right. I don't know if you were right, but I think you could be right. I mean, regardless here. Is this why the stock's down? Is this why the stock's down? It has to be. It has to be. That's what Joel thinks. Oh, my gosh. Come on. What else? Is there anything else said? Numbers? Anything else go down? 12. We ran up a little bit last night into it. We were up three, four points ahead of the event last night. 
So you had a little bit and, of event run up last night. Well, the Cybertruck was nothing that was a surprise. Everyone was expecting the Cybertruck. Analysts have estimates for the Cybertruck already. There was an analyst that was highlighting, like, you know, don't get distracted by the Cybertruck. Sort of by 2025, they're going to potentially sell 50,000 units versus, you know, up to 700,000 units for, like, the Model 3 and the Model Y. So... Um, this was, you know, definitely was telegraphed. I think the, I think the sock was kind of pricing in the Cybertruck a little bit before. I mean, we typically see this happen where they run up before the event, the event happens, yeah. and then you often see a little pullback afterwards. I talked about the event run-ups when we were in New York on Tuesday, but after the fact, they often do sell off. Those run-ups are short-lived. Um, we didn't really have that much of a run-up. Like I said, last night. It was up, and I wish I you know, would have been taking Tesla home at the close and then just playing it for the after-hours run-up because it was up about three points last night, trading up at over 357 last night just ahead of the event. Uh, I don't like to take things through an event, though, for this very reason because you don't know what's going to happen during the event, so there's a big unknown. Um, the second thing is, and maybe Spencer's got a point here, is I just saw the truck, too, and it is kind of ugly. So it's pretty, pretty ugly, right? Is, is the stock down because the truck is ugly, or is the stock <laughs> down because the truck has broken windows? That's what one person said uh, in the office when we were talking about my observation. Said, "Well, this thing looks ugly." Thing I will say is that sucker is going to look awesome on Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, right. we, are we getting right. to Mars? That's is he truck? to Mars? Right. That's, That's a, a truck. truck? We go along the Mars calls. Where's the the bed? <laughs> Like, is, is there a bed back here? The, the, well, so the, the back of it, if you look at the concepts or whatever, the back of it is, like, largely a solar panel. This is, like, a very large solar yeah. panel to be on a car. Can we show so, the truck? Do you got a picture? Can we show uh, the truck? I, I can. I mean, you can Google People it. who haven't seen it. I mean, yeah, if you want to see it, I would, I, honestly, I would just say Google Can we it. see the one with the broken windows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so okay, so uh, yeah, Brent. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Brent. Thank, thanks a lot, Brent, for That's that. Thanks, uh, I, 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 I want to ask the chat. I want to ask. I want to formally ask the chat here. We're getting a mixed opinion. Do on you this. think this was intentional? Did they break the windows intentionally? Yes or no? Because I'm starting to. I'm starting. Brent's in my head now. He's talking. And, you know, he's talking me into thinking like that too. But I yeah. don't think so. No, I don't. Th- he's he wants his products to be just you know perfect and stuff, and he doesn't want any blemishes. So I don't think so. But it's just got, like there, yes, no. We got the chat is uh, <laughs> yeah, YouTube chat's got a lot of opinions on this, and it's fifty. Obviously, when some person says thumbs up, then we got no, no, absolutely not. We got a lot of opinions on this. All right, all right, all right. Divided, divided. And then Lloyd Donald Castle just wants to know about MRRK. So is that Newmark? Is that the uh, – What? uh, Is is that Newmark Newmark Knight and Frank NMRK? I bet you – I don't know what Joel's talking about. I don't know what – It is Newmark Group. I mean – What stock? And NMRK, I don't know how we got on this. What's what? No, because uh, Lloyd Donald Castle has asked about it several times here. Okay. I mean, what's there not to like about it? What a run in this thing! I think this is the real estate firm. This is the weirdest I- segue I've ever had in my life, Joel. <laughs> so, okay. Roll, this roll. is why Spencer and I usually take the lead. Roll with we, it. Not, nothing gets a question. We could throw yeah. these questions in, Lloyd. No problem. We're talking yeah. MRK, but we went uh, from Tesla to talking about a stock that trades 
<laughs> not very often. Billion so. shares a day, Dennis. That's very active. Let's trade zero know. today. The vol we're pre-market prepped volume zero. Oh, I mean, at eight in the morning. What do you expect? Next target's 1390 <laughs> on monthly high. Neither I have no idea. I do not follow this company at all, so I don't know anything about it. Okay, so uh, we're wrapping up. We're just putting a bow on, on the Tesla discussion. Um, it's an ugly car. The, the, the pricing came in lower than expected. Um, probably won't sell a ton. It's broken windows. Yeah. Um, what's, not, what's not to think? I'm, I mean, he's got people stock he, he, In classic Elon Musk fashion, he has people talking. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave, leave it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All right. To the earnings parade we go. Do you want any technicals on Tesla? Oh, yes, we do. Well. Of course I mean, we do. That's decided. why I was so disappointed you left Tesla so quickly, Joel. We want okay. your technical analysis. Uh, someone did uh, smash the bid, ha-ha, <laughs> right at that 4 a.m. open. What was that? At, Where? Uh, the 4 a.m. open. Dennis, if you would have saw that, I know you would have been out there smashing it. It opened at 350.80, ticked at 351. And then uh, we've sold off. We're all just off the lows of the pre-market session. 341 is the pre-market low. If I was long, which I'm not, I'd, I'd give it under 340 today. And they could very easily go under there. Big run-up, couple tight ranges. Trading red in the pre-market by quite a bit. I'm looking for next daily low. Watch out here, folks. Under 340, next daily low comes in at 332.50. So... I don't know. I think it's going to be a bad day for Tesla here. Lisa's looking that way. Well, it's starting like a bad day. I mean, you sure. got to consider one thing. Its stock has been running forever. Can you know this stock itself twenty points, and Nothing. you know it's going to look like a blip on this chart. I mean, in the last month and a half, you know, since the earnings gap, we're at two fifty, three forty. We're still ninety points from where we were right before we reported earnings. So this thing could go all the way back to three hundred. The bulls would still be in control. So I think any type of a pullback here. Um, I, I don't think it's like a start of a new bear market here for Tesla. I don't think the story is over here. But that being said, the stock is running, running, running. So maybe it needs to cool off a little bit. So cooling or off three. Just, so that's why it's, you can't come in and be a buyer at 342. There's nothing in here. Or just continuing on a different version of the sabotage theory. What if one of like uh, disgruntled employees what? like put it Come in? On. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm just say the wow, name. Wow, we are yeah. starting some weird all right, all right, <laughs> rumors all right, here now. All right, moving on to the earnings parade here. Let's start with Nordstrom. If you look at Nordstrom, Can I just stop before you even say it. Yeah, before okay. you even say it, because okay. we talked about this one. The bar was set so low for Nordstrom. We had Kohl's big disappointment. Stock was obviously down on that. We had the Macy's big disappointment. Stock tried to go down on that and didn't even go down that much. So if Nordstrom was going to say anything, okay, anything remotely, okay, the stock was going to rally. So there was a nice setup. We said this yesterday on the show um, that this was set up to rally. I bought the open yesterday at 33 bucks. Obviously, I flip out I, during the day yesterday. I didn't want to take it through the print, but I thought about it. I really wanted to take it through the print, but I just didn't have the guts. Anyways, I hope some people did have the guts because we were talking about the potential for a nice rally here if they said anything okay. And now you can give me the numbers. Yeah, the EPS uh, beat the estimates 81 cents versus 64 cents. Sales missed 3.56 versus $3.67 billion. But they also raised the low end of their full year EPS guidance. They raised it by 5 cents from three and a quarter to $3.30. And all that translates to a very nice move higher. And I will tell you, this quarter was nothing great at all. They missed on sales. They kind of came in line on guidance. So they didn't lower guidance. Kohl's 
lowered guidance. Macy's lowered guidance. They didn't lower guidance. If this thing would have raised guidance, it would really be ripping. So, I mean, it's up 9% because they didn't blank the bed. That's it. It was set up. And sometimes trading is just that simple. Think about the setup. The bar was so low, they can get over this low bar. You know, we talked about Macy's two days before the bar being set low. And I was saying, I'm worried about Macy's because they have the tendency to actually get under that low bar. Nordstrom, I had the feeling they were going to, you know, not come in under the low bar and they didn't. So good job, Nordstrom's, but thanks. You better be sending thank you and Christmas cards to Kohl's and Macy's because that is the only reason your stock is up 9% because you guys were not nearly as poor as those other two com company results. Uh, getting a lot of kudos here in the YouTube chat uh, for that call, Dennis. Uh, here we, we popped up. Where did we get to? We got to 38.20. So we backed off a buck. So that's not a great sign. Boy, that 38. If you get huge, back up there again, look huge. at that. I don't even go look at the buck. 38.16. Well, it cleared it out a few days ago. I guess you're right. It did yeah, clear it out. So it it out but boy, oh boy, there were sellers there. Uh, probably targeting the whole $38 area, but uh, yeah. split the 16 and the 28, 38, 22 was right in the middle. And what did you do? You went to 38, 20. So that's still really good resistance here. Someone's looking for 40 today. If you're looking for 40 in this, you better get above 38 and be holding yeah. that for like the first half hour. Uh, but it could be a little bit of a fade here. But. I don't know. I, and I, I, think you, I think you've identified the resistance very well here, Joel. I mean, I think I completely agree with you. This 38 is going to be big. And let's just think out. about this. It's a nice rally. But this quarter wasn't fantastic by any means. This wasn't a target quarter. And this is why when Target reported, I said I would not be shorting this. And I'm actually almost inclined to chase this one. That would have worked because Target was 120 when we were talking about that. And obviously it's 127 here now. This isn't a target quarter. This isn't a quarter that blew it away. This was a quarter that didn't blank the bed. And that's all they needed to do because of Macy's and Kohl's. So I don't think they're going to be buying this hand over fist because you look at these numbers and you're like, they were okay. They were okay. So I think you're right. I think 38 tops it out. I mean, if for whatever reason it starts ripping through there and start getting 38 and a half, 39, then you probably think it is going to 40. But let's see what it does. I think the major resistance is right where you're talking about 38 bucks. And didn't they, they just opened a huge store in New York, didn't they? They're kind of bucking the trend here. They opened up, uh, how big is that store in New York they opened up, Spencer? Like a, like 100,000 feet or 100,000 square feet or something? Is it bigger uh, than the Starbucks in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually a buddy of mine who lives in, in Chicago was sending me pictures of it, but it's, it's ridiculous. It's a 32,000 square foot uh, um, uh, location in Manhattan for Nordstrom. The Nordstrom. That's yeah. a little bit of rent. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's huge. But anyways, let's see what I'm happens. I'm sorry. I said th I, I meant 320,000. There's still, I just saw that too. 320,000, not 32,000. Yeah, 32,000 would be normal. That, they have a 320,000 square foot store yes. in New York? Yes. Impressive. Holy macro. Whew. That's a lot of rent there. Oh, wow. Big time rent. But, you know, that's... Nordstrom has been an outperformer. Really, when you, have, you throw them all in there, of the three, the big three that always trade together, Macy, Coles, and Nordstrom, people you know, wonder because you know, why we group all those. They just trade together. So, I mean, Macy's and Nordstrom, there's an obvious comparison. Coles is usually outside. But if you really look at the longer-term trade, well, I guess Coles was looking okay until the earnings report. <laughs> but Macy's has been the big underperformer of those three. Macy's has been the real dog. 
Nordstrom's has tried to hold up. Remember, we had they were going to take a private Joel back when it was fifty, and that yeah. didn't happen. I mean, they're all dogs. They're all dogs. But of the three dogs, I think Nordstrom's been the best one. Okay. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, if you're looking at support, you're looking at buying this off the hop. Uh, finding buyers at thirty-seven. You're at thirty-seven forty. So thirty-seven thirty-eight potential early trading range in JWM. Might we well, also had our favorite retail stock report there. The Gap. The Gap. How'd the Gap do? The Gap did okay, actually. It's uh, all they needed to do. Again, the bar sat low because yeah. of all these other awful reports. EPS, 53 cents versus a 51 cent estimate. A sales, 3.998 versus $3.96 billion. So they actually beat the estimate on the top and the bottom line in the third quarter. They also reaffirmed their guidance for the full year EPS. They reaffirmed that the range they gave a buck 70 to a buck 75. And that is in line with estimates. The only hiccup here is they guided that comps are going to be down in the uh, mid single digit range and sales will be down in the low single digit range for the year. It, it, this again is a report that take out, you know, the disasters of the other retailers that we've had, because we've had quite a few disasters already. The stock would be down on this report. But because the bar is set low here again, I mean, Gap has sold off three, four, you know, basically $2 since all these other reports. So you're talking about a 10% move down, really, for GPS if you look at the last three days since we've had all the other disappointing retailer reports. Um, it had a low bar as well. So same story with Nordstrom. This is the bar was set low. They got over that low bar. But this, again, report is not great by any means. I mean, sales down in low single digits. Is this the kind of stock you want in your long-term portfolio? Sales declining? Yeah, we're going to get an old Navy spinoff, but you go in these stores and it just doesn't seem like this is where I want to put my money. So I still think, we've talked you know, bearish about the gap for a long time. We obviously were wrong when we had that ridiculous rally in early 2019 when the stock went from 24 to 31. But, you know, we've been proven right here now over the course of the last year. Stock's at 16. I mean, we've been talking bearish since it was 30s. Um, I'm going to stay talking bearish on it. I don't think the low of all, all – I don't think, like, the new all-time low is in. I think eventually it's lower than 15. We, again, you know, it's okay. The report's okay. So maybe it doesn't sell off today. But I wouldn't even be surprised if it sold off today. What, what has it done pre-market? Talk to me about the pre-market action. Uh, well, they own Athletic too, right? So that I know, I know Lisa really likes that that brand, Athleta, but I don't know how okay. big it is. Uh, you spiked up to seventeen fifty five. That was really quick. That was off the number, but you've settled in here. So Just, you're half. We've given back half the gains. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Uh, two yeah, day, my math is good. I right? would uh, I would focus on uh, your three day high seventeen oh three. You get above that seventeen. I don't know if you have anything stacking up at seventeen here. Thing is, if you get through 17, you got some air in the 17 handle because the next two next two daily highs are near 18. But uh, I don't know if there's any size. Let's say hypothetically there. here, I kind of got a feeling this could be potentially oh. one that goes from green to red. If this goes red, this is in trouble. So you don't want to see this thing go red today. No, not for any reason. So if you're buying at 1685, this is uh, so counterintuitive to a lot of people. You're buying at 1685, I'd stop out at like red, like, you know, the close, like 1620. If you were doing that, I'm not doing that because I kind of think this stock could give it all back. It's a dog. This was not a great quarter. 
It's trading up, yes, 3.8%. You could squeeze them a bit. I mean, that's why the dynamics. But if this thing goes red, that's where I'd actually probably short it. So I don't have the guts to short it when it's trading up here. I want to kind of see what happens. But if you have some weakness and some sellers apparently start to come in, and this thing goes red, this will quickly be down. If it goes like 1620, I think it'll quickly be down to that near that 1585. And it takes on the 1585, you're talking 15 bucks. So it needs to, for you bulls out there, this absolutely needs to stay green today. Critical to stay green. Mm. And another scenario where you could look at is if, you know, you don't buy it on the hop here, it comes down to that area. That's a double close area, Dennis, 1628, 1622. You try, you take a stab at your buy there and then you put your stop underneath that low. The 1585. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think 1585 is the line in the sand for this. Yep. Because it takes off 1585. It's not going to. I don't think it is going to. I don't know. I We don't know yet. That's why, you know, we just set up scenarios. So, Correct. you know, but I, you know, right below 1585, there's, you're right. There's your better short setup. This thing starts to take out those, then you're set up. It's hard to say what's going to happen here today. There's a lot of balls in the air. Obviously, the didn't disappoint as badly as some of the other stocks there is some short interest here i'm sure i didn't check it but i'm sure there is so a lot of different dynamics here this is a critical day for the gps though uh, spinner says they're they're gonna earn a buck 75 so it's not expensive you mr value no, they haven't been no but it, none of these are macy's none of them have been expensive there's just no growth so and that's been the problem all along these have been value traps for a long time i like my value stocks that you growing. know not necessarily. I, I'm a big GARP fan. I've talked about this growth at a reasonable price. You know, that's why Google is one of the you know, biggest positions in my long-term portfolio. You know, probably because it's grown a lot too. I mean, I've had it for a long time. So that's another reason why it's a big one. But I mean, it's, it's, it's PE is not crazy and they're still growing. I mean, Apple is still trying to grow a bit too. I mean, there's so many places to be where you get growth at a reasonable price. Why do you want to have no growth? That's why, you know, if I'm going in these stocks and they're value stocks, you can get, you know, Apple looking. What, what's the P on Apple now, Spencer? I mean, really, when you back out the cash, it's ridiculously low. But what's the P on that thing? Uh, forward PE, whoa, that is low. 19.8? 19.8. Now back out the cash. You're looking at like probably 13 or 14. I mean, there, there's a lot, you know, now you're going to go buy a gap P with 10 where they're the earnings are potentially going to not even grow, but potentially go down. I mean, they're, they're, they're projecting sales to be down in the low di single digit range. Comps to be down in the mid single digit range. That doesn't, isn't even growth. That's negative. You know, that's, that's declining. I don't want to, I don't like investing in anything where sales are going down. Last time I shopped at the gap, I think was in high school. Probably me too. <laughs> All right, let's move um, on to the Splunkster. Enough on this. Sure. GPS, SPLK. All right. This is a good report. It's a nice uh, story. EPS beat last night, 58 cents versus 54 cents. Sales beat 626 million versus 604 million. They're also raising their uh, full year 20 sales guidance by a hair. They're raising it from 2.3 to 2.35 billion dollars. Uh, the Q4 sales guidance was also above estimates. So, pretty much, the headlines are all good here. What are they doing hitting the stock down on this report, first of all? Where did, where did we get down to, Joel? Right off the hop. The news goes wrong again. 118. 118. They slammed it right on the initial print. And I was looking at I don't even think the guidance was out yet. I don't even know if the guidance came in the first headline. Because they came out, and they beat, and they beat, and they slammed it down anyways. And the next report, the guidance was pretty good. 
and I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, first of all, the stock has kind of not, you know, run up at all really until I guess you could say it ran up. Yeah, a it's days, a little, but yeah, yeah, a couple of days. But I mean, put it in perspective, we're down from where we were last quarter. It's not like this has been, you know, flying, flying. So this was pretty darn good numbers. And they sold it all the way down to 118. And within like two minutes, the stock was back green and then it just kept ripping higher. So I don't know who's running some of these news algos, man, but they are wrong a lot. Or maybe it's like the perception on our part. Maybe we're not noticing all the times they're right. I mean, it continues to run, so it's got to be making money, you would think, or you know, somebody just doesn't like money. But I see so many instances where this initial headline, the move off the initial headline is in the wrong direction. Man, that would have been a nice buy last night. If you're buying last night, congrats. This thing's up now, obviously, almost you know, 18 points higher than the after hours low last night after the print. Boy, and you have someone who just wants to own this stock right now. You're at the highs of the pre-market session, right? The high tick is seven. Is the high tick seventy-five? High tick is eighty, and it's bid. We just ticked eighty-nine. So someone is just is it a big bid iceberg? What do you got out there? It's a trade a lot of volume. I trade a lot last night. So I traded fifty-six thousand shares here this morning. I mean, it's one thirty-six sixty-two to one thirty-six seventy-seven. It's fairly active market, up ten. I mean, I'll give the other the other. Ahead, dynamic here. The other dynamic is we talked about this is growth has kind of come back in favor. It's come back in favor over the last week. We've talked about it. You know, the work day that I bought um, is up 10 points from where I just bought it. So there is, you know, growth is where it was really out of favor there for a bit is starting to come back into favor. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to give you some monthly highs to keep an eye on here in the Splunkster. And you have one. I first target for me if I was long. Full disclosure, I'm not long or short. One thirty-eight eighty-seven. That was your August high, and then you gap up to uh, your July high, one forty-two oh six. So that's within earshot. Uh, the longer it takes to get over that one thirty-eight eighty-seven, you may give a little bit of it back because it had it's had a nice run. You look at this, the bottom in. Uh, October, October 18th was 108.43. So you've had a nice round. I used one, 142. That kind of splits all the numbers as well. But uh, there's your resistance. No reason to short it yet. Uh, just holding on to the rally. 136.07 July last print. All right. Obviously, cloud to... stocks are going to be up in sympathy. So think about those if you're trading. You know, all the cloud stocks. We won't go into them. Well, Spencer, not, where'd all, you want to take us? not all of them because look at PSP. Oh. PSTG this morning, pure storage. And I guess it's, it's not big. one of the big names you think about, though, like no, the big guns. No, so not. I'm not sure how much influence this would have on the sector, but PSTG definitely did. I, I, I guess the takeaway here is that when it comes to cloud, it's, it's, it's Microsoft, it's Google, it's IBM, uh, it's Oracle. Well, and, I, and, and I was thinking like the work days, like the Adobe's, yeah, the, okay. the growth ones. Right. There's obviously everybody's involved in cloud to a certain extent, but I think about the growth ones. So the work days, the Splunkster, obviously, which we just talked about there, the Adobe. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's Zscaler. There's a whole pile of them that are tied in there. So I think about the growth ones. Obviously, Oracle and all them, but those are the more your value. You know, and they're they're okay. into Fair everything. Fair enough. Fair enough. They're not Fair. more as pure plays. So PSTG, in any case, getting cracked here this morning. The report was bad. I didn't think it was like that bad. It wasn't good. Certainly, the EPS uh, beat and the sales missed, and their Q4 guidance was light. The sales guidance. Uh, and the full-year sales guidance were, were both light. So, again, not great, but I didn't think it was – I didn't think it was – This thing's hit hard. 21% bad. 
But you got that one level, Joel. I'll just say that fifteen sixty-eight. We're fifteen sixty-five yeah, offer here right that. now. Try to hold there. I have no idea what this is doing pre-market. I haven't looked at it. I call fifteen bucks maybe, but it's hard uh, when they're down this much. Down they don't bounce. They don't bounce back. Not very quickly. Wow. If at all. They whacked it to 15, 14, uh, 14.54, and now it's just kind of a steady climb up. So someone's kind of feel like they missed the bottom there. They're just a patient buyer. They're not chasing it, but uh, definitely a step-up buyer since you made that 14.54 low. And then on the dailies here, I mean, I'd even be looking at 15.50. Uh, multiple lows between 15 and a quarter and 15.53, so 15.40, and then that pre-market low. It's strange because you had a you have a gap to fill. So if you're really bearish, you can wait for a 14.03. That would fill the gap back from uh, August 21st. But uh, just a little little patient buyer here taking it off the pre-market low. Uh, one more before we go, go grab our guest. Let's do Hibbit nope. Sports HIBB. Talk about blowing away expectations here this morning. There is nothing bad. From this one here. So the number is HIBB, Q3 adjusted EPS, 32, wow. 32 cents versus a 15 cent estimate, sales wow. 275 versus $260 million. And on top of that, they are raising their guidance. Actually, before we get to the guidance, Q3 comps up 10.7%. It's very oh, rare sorry. to see double digit comps growth. So 10% comps last quarter. And like I mentioned, they're raising their guidance for the full year. Uh, 20 EPS guidance is being raised uh, by 15 cents on the low end from $2.15 to $2.30. That also beat the estimate. So uh, everything here is good. They kind of got to figure it out, this company here. Is this one of the reverence picks? Yes, it is. Yep. Man, that's a good one. He's had some dogs. He's had some good ones here, too. This is one of his good ones there. Yeah, because yeah. we know he's the ultimate value investor there, and he buys when there's blood in the streets and he sees value. There's blood in the streets back in this one in the summer. Not anymore. So, Reverend, if you're listening, double. congratulations. Great call on this one. Wow. It's double here since then. Uh, yeah. You backed off. I mean, someone got really excited and took this to 3250 and now you've backed off that, finding some support here at the 3050 area. Man, if it gets up to thirty-two fifty, that be if you have a long there, really tempted to ring, uh, ring the register. But that's over two bucks away. I think you're gonna have a little bit of decline. Where to pick this up? Uh, Twenty-eight was your first print uh, off after the news. So thirty. When is the last time this thing's been in the thirty handle? I know 30 is such a nice round number too. 30.75 was your high in March of 2017. So I'd even use, I mean, if you had a big long position, I'd maybe put a little offer out there and see what happens at 30.75. And then once again, pre-market high way up there, 32.50. Was it that good of a report there for Hibbit Sports? Think about how the retailers have been reporting though. Let's stop and let's put this in perspective. Think about how every retailer has been reporting so far this season. They've all been not good. And some of them have been okay. Like, I mean, we just saw Nordstrom was okay. We haven't seen a lot of retailers blowing it away. So this blew it away. And that's why it's rallying significantly here. So anybody banking, oh, every retailer is going to disappoint. They're going the other way on this one. So there's just not a lot of retailers that have blown it away. So they're one of the first ones that I can think about, you know, really. And obviously, we're still in 
you know, Target blew it away. But we kind of expected Target and Walmart to be pretty good. Of the, you know, smaller stores, you know, mall-based or strip mall-based, um, it's, you know, they, they, they stock, those, those companies haven't really had a good quarter. None of them. So this is the first one that we've seen that's been really, really solid. All right, let's take a quick break and grab our guest today, John G. Inch from Gordon Haskett. We'll be right back in a moment while I dial up Mr. Inch. All right, welcome back, everyone. Pre-market prep, Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor, and Dennis Dick. Joined now by John G. Inge, as I mentioned, Senior Analyst for Multi-Industrials at Gordon Haskett. Uh, Mr. Inge, good morning here. Good morning, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let's talk about your coverage. It's been a while since we spoke. Have you made any new uh, any changes of late? Well, we launched coverage of Amatech recently. The ticker's AME. Um, it's really a premier uh, diversified multi-industry company. They do a lot of acquisitions, and it's really got a sustainable um, model for uh, you know expanding profits and cash flow. So we really like that. Um, otherwise, I've, I've got to tell you, not a lot has changed. Uh, there's a lot of volatility in the space based on this on and off trade deal uh, discourse. Um, China, as I'm sure you've seen, based on the recent data, is actually getting worse, not better. Uh, I would say the United States is in a bit of a holding pattern. Uh, there's no imminent recession, but also I don't think that uh, there's some obvious reason that uplifts capital expenditures. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of the service economy data. I mean, I really think that's the wild card here. Um, that data is suggesting that the economy at the margin is weakening slightly. Uh, maybe that will be supported by Fed fund rates cuts. It's, it's not entirely clear, right? But certainly the manufacturing economy um, doesn't, you know, it really doesn't drive or turn based on short-term interest rate changes. It's about global forces and capex and replacement cycles. So we're kind of in a bit of a holding pattern as we work toward year end. And one last thought, I mean, I actually think that the United States industrial economy in 2020 is probably incrementally worse than 2019. Um, 2019 was an inventory correction year, and there's some other puts and takes. But, um, you know, I, I would just say things are not necessarily obviously getting better. We're in a holding pattern, slightly slightly decelerating. That's the way I would characterize it. So is it worse because it's not, it's not due to any one catalyst? It's just not getting better? And it's not due to one catalyst. No, it's just getting better. The uncertainty of the environment, uh, coupled with a continuing weakness in China, and, uh, you know, Europe is, uh, signs are looking like a, a little bit better, but who knows, right? Europe is certainly not helping the equation today. Um, there's just a multitude of forces that, um, you know, are, and then now you have election uncertainty into next year, uh, increasingly so. There's just a multitude of forces that are causing for businesses to hold back investment spending and for projects to be pushed out. And the other thing, if you look at the economy, I mean, the twin industry verticals that really drive it are automotive and oil and gas. Automotive seems kind of flattish at current levels. There's a lot of debt in the auto system, right, on the part of consumers, but that probably is in a bit of a holding pattern. No obvious reason why it would accelerate or decelerate. Um, but the other, the other thing that um, is perhaps a little more concerning is oil and gas. Land-based oil and gas investments look like they're heading lower again. And uh, that's not going to be that helpful to the equation. Maybe lastly, I'll point out aerospace, which is a, it's not the most important vertical, but it's an important vertical in and of its own right. Um, that could be in sort of a bit of a bubble right now in terms of ex investor expectations. 
um, you know, sort of the, the, the numbers are decelerating yet. Uh, investors are very, very upbeat on everything aerospace. We're in kind of the 15th year of a 10 year cycle. And, uh, you know, I think a correction is perhaps long overdue in that, uh, in that segment of the market. So we've had you on, uh, one of the big reasons is to talk about your coverage, uh, of, mm -hmm. G of GE. You were, uh, sort of on the money there uh, a while back and you still got, if I'm, Correct. You still got your sell rating on it in a $7 price target. Uh, give us your reaction to this earnings report. I guess you can't really argue with what the stock has done the past couple weeks here since the report, but uh, stock's up here. It's rallied. Give us your take yeah. on, on GE. There's a, sure. Well, there's a lot of uh, GE-specific factors going on here, but it's clear GE has participated in this six weeks of industrial rotation, um, even the junk stocks <laughs> have actually gone up. I think that um, if, you're, if you're really looking for the primary reason GE has moved higher and I don't think it's sustainable, it's ultimately due to the fact that on December 2nd, the company is going to come out and showcase their healthcare business at Chicago's, uh, it's basically a healthcare conference for equipment providers. And we all know what this is. This is really not a healthcare analyst meeting. It's the opening uh, presentation as part of GE's upcoming IPO of this business. That's what's really going on here. And you say, well, why would that have caused for the stock to go up? Because, Spencer, there are still liquidity concerns at GE. For despite all of the rhetoric and everything that uh, everyone writes about, the fact is the company still has way too much debt. And by IPOing its healthcare business, it's just going to raise debt, which in turn, I'm sorry, it's going to raise cash, which in turn will continue to assuage uh, liquidity concerns. That's what this is all about. The third quarter, I mean, I don't think there was anything particularly remarkable of it, about it. Um, GE is back to the old GE, quite frankly. They get the analyst community to lower numbers, you know, literally days before they report so that they can come out and, uh, you know, effectively suggest there was a beat and then there was a raise and then the analyst community does the same thing quarter after quarter. Jeff Dimmelt did this for 10 years, and it ultimately got him uh, <laughs> it ultimately got him fired, right? And it seems to be the same playbook has come right back again. But no, the stock is responding less to do with that third quarter and the optics of them beating, which I don't believe uh, for a second. It has everything to do with this upcoming healthcare IPO and just uh, you know can, continuing to put these liquidity concerns to bed. We're on the line with John Inch, senior analyst of multi-industrials at Gordon Haskett. Just uh, continuing at the GE uh, discussion here, is that the only stock that you have a sell rating on? And just in, in general, too, I'm sure you've been in the markets for a few years. I mean, really don't – I mean, it's kind of a new thing. I mean, sell ratings on, on Wall Street. Uh, talk about yeah, that. Ex exactly. Well – uh, Wall Street's changing. It's changing pretty rapidly. Um, investment dollars and decisions are increasingly being run by machines, and analysts are under a lot of pressure to, um, I think, help increasingly make clients money, not simply be talking points or marking advocates for their investment banking operations. Of course, Gordon Haskett doesn't have investment banking, so I'm completely objective. Yep. Um, and I don't think I can frankly say the same for many of my colleagues. So, uh, you know, Right now, I would argue to you that uh, we've been in a slowing for manufacturing in the United States for the better part of two to three quarters. Slowings are good, but they typically aren't necessarily reasons why things pick up again, unless you've actually gone down further. In other words, often in cyclical industries, what's bad is good. Uh, so we're kind of almost in a bit of a no man's land right now. Um, 
certain stocks we like. Others such as Eaton Corp. I mean, GE is its own specific animal. I just think it's way overvalued with negative cash flow and uh, still way too much debt. But again, as I said, this IPO of healthcare is going to uh, help to sort of diminish those concerns. I still don't see GE really going anywhere. The other stock we really don't like is Eaton. Um, Eaton's a very late cycle company um, and it's end markets, including hydraulics and truck and, you know, more to the point some of the electrical businesses. I just don't see these uh, end markets picking up anytime soon. And so at the end of the day, Eaton, you know, Eaton's a relative underperform. I mean, it's not an obvious sell. I don't really think anything in my space is an obvious sell. Um, the other company that uh, it's not officially a sell, but I just don't see that stock going anywhere is 3M. Yeah. There's a movie coming out. It's premiering uh, on Friday, Dark Waters, and it talks about how 3M and DuPont basically poisoned the U.S. water table with their chemicals that created Teflon and it created, uh, you know, Scotchgard for 3M. And so uh, it's just, it just makes this stock very uninvestable, uh, possibly for a very long time. Uh, when you're talking about like the industrials and the sector, I mean, it's you know, tied to the economy and I don't know, I, I missed something a month and a half ago, two months ago, we were inverted yield curve, all out, right. yeah, all out recession, bat down the hatches, depression. Uh, but now, I mean, I, I kind of just take a more even kill. I don't see like the economy, you know, going into recession. And I don't see, I mean, are we going to see the days of, you know, GDP growth? I think that's what you really need for these stocks of, you know, four, five, 6%. I just think we're just going to muddle along here. Just give us, give us your take on that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, often recessions are caused by shocks. So the concern, if you go back to the end of 2018 was the Fed, which sometimes in the past has actually caused recessions. The Fed was just off base with its monetary policy and, was going to raise rates and actually drive us into a recession. Well, obviously the tables have turned. That's not happening anymore. Um, but you're right. Uh, on one hand, we may not be going into a recession, barring a shock. On the other hand, there's no obvious reason why things are absolutely going to start to pick back up here. Um, you know, maybe another tax cut could actually be helpful on the part of uh, the economy, but that's not entirely clear any of that could get through, especially with the deficits that we're running. And then you do have a lot of geopolitical uncertainty and all this volatility associated with China and Hong Kong. I mean, God forbid China actually sends in troops to quell unrest in Hong Kong. That's not going to be particularly good for striking a trade deal with the Chinese or, um, you know, generally speaking, uh, the geopolitical stability and outlook, right, for many of these companies. So um, I think it ultimately comes back to just which companies then, if we're into this slow growth, no recession, but just very slow growth environment, who can make their own way, who can buy other companies, who's got a better business model. Um, and, uh, you know, the rally that's gone on in this group, I think it's literally driven by the premise of not going into a recession, to your prior point. But then you say, well, where do we go from here? And interestingly enough, the stocks look pretty expensive to me for the most part, um, you know, there's a difference between not going into recession and then coming out of a downturn and, and rolling into a period of very strong growth. And that's absolutely not on the horizon. As I mentioned earlier, I think 2020 is actually a softer industrial year. If you just run the numbers than it was for 2019, not dramatically so, but not a better year. And that doesn't necessarily support the sustainability of very high valuations on a relative basis uh, today. So I generally don't think... Uh, this group is a group that I would generally 
um, buy across the board. I just don't, I don't think that's the right time. Um, that, that rotation's happened. Sometimes you just got to be patient and, uh, you know, we'll wait to see over the coming weeks how this all sort of plays out. But, um, yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. So, it's, uh, it's a very muddling. Uh, so, John, a question from our chat here. Uh, there are a lot, uh, and he's right, you know, there are a lot of uh, stocks out there with high valuations, higher than maybe they deserve. Uh, mm-hmm. Why does GE get, get beat up on so much? Well, um, debatably, it doesn't get beat up on very much at all. So uh, it's, it's almost impossible to value it because it isn't generating cash. Um, what you've got to do is look out uh, years into the future and make several assumptions as to, well, what could power maybe earn? And what could healthcare maybe earn? And what could aerospace maybe earn? Well, there's a lot of maybes involved with this. You really don't do that with any other company. Right. Most companies, you, you provide sort of a one to two year lookout. With GE, you have to go beyond three years. And of course, the company who is trying to do everything they can to put on the best possible face and say things are great and we're turning things around, etc., cetera, um, is really just sort of adding fuel to that optimism. The problem is, you know, talking points are one thing. The numbers and the facts are another thing. And currently, their cash flow is negative. I don't quite know how you value a negative cash company. You have to make several different assumptions. So depending on the outlook, I mean, GE over time maybe could be worth somewhere around $10 per share. That's not unreasonable. But based on the present value of money, it's not worth there today, yet the market seems to be giving it full benefit. And the market doesn't do that with any other company. The market doesn't say, where's Rockwell's earnings power in three years? Let's go base our assumptions on that and give it a high valuation. It doesn't do it with Honeywell. It doesn't do it with really any other company. So why is it doing with this? Simply because it's got a brand name and uh, everybody in retail owns it? I mean, that's just not a – it's not very robust. It's not very scientific. There's a lot of cheerleaders on GE. Um, and uh, I think many of them are simply beholden to their investment banking operations by their firms. So, you know, I just don't think there's a lot of objectivity. Everybody wants GE to succeed. I get it. I don't think the company is going to fail. I just think it's going to take a very long time, and in the short term, it just seems to be overvalued. All right, John G. Inch is a senior analyst for multi-industrials at Gordon Haskett. John, always thank you for the time, and uh, have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks, guys, and happy Thanksgiving. You too. All right, uh, 8.51 here. Uh, Dennis, what are you seeing out there? Anything uh, anything happening? Anything uh, let's go to imbalances. GE, we were just talking about 199,000 shares to sell on the open again every single morning. There's some institution that wants to dump 200,000 shares of GE. It's been going on for two years. That's incredible. I've never seen one that trendy before. Ford, 579,000 to buy. Maybe Tesla's loss is Ford's gain. I'm not sure why there's a buyer in Ford, but somebody uh, maybe looks at it and says, they don't have any broken windows. Uh, Bristol Myers, 40000 to sell. Obviously, they've closed the Celgene deal. So that's trading not with Celgene anymore. So it's going to trade on its own. That means, you know, risk herbs on in there, which sometimes mute the volatility. You can actually see Bristol Myers probably move a little bit more now because Celgene is off the table. Something we don't talk about very often, you know, and you can look at the Bristol Myers chart and you can say, wow, look at those little steady climbs and not much individual volatility on any day. Risk arbitrage mutes that volatility. When you got a deal on the table, they can come in, obviously, and you know they're buying and selling against each other all the time. And if you look the last couple of days, it started to pick up. Obviously, the deal closing was the catalyst for that. But now you can see it move around a little more freely without all the risk arbitrage all over it. That's it. Uh-oh. Spencer was sorry. sorry. I was on mute. I, I, I was on mute, and I wanted to do this. And I, I'm kind of behind Joel here, and uh, I wanted to get the song going before I... 
Hot potato, hot potato. Hot potato, hot potato. Hot potato, hot potato. Potato, 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 potato. Don't spaghetti, go spaghetti. All right, Joel. Okay. You're you're in you're in the driver's seat here. Oh, are you muted? Yes, I am. Okay. okay. You're in the driver's seat, Joel. What do we what what do we got for a topic today? Oh god, I'm nervous. I'm scared okay. too. All right, close all your Joel's are tough I, too. I, I, I you know what? I would decide to go easy on you guys uh this week. Joel's easy as well. And really uh we're gonna get away from the markets a little bit, but uh you guys are big hockey fans, right? Oh, oh, I should rock him on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess Dennis does. <laughs> Look guess... at my chops. Okay, hockey so... is it hockey? Yeah, it's hockey. You're, you put a Canadian against a Jersey boy. If I lose this, I'm gonna uh, out of the country. I guess so. <laughs> the pressure is on. So you have no pressure. The pressure is on the Canadian for sure. Okay. Okay. So just let me make sure my buzzers are working. Right. Let's see here. Okay. And Sounds then, right. And then. Okay. We want First to hear a lot about it. And, and you got to go quickly here. So okay? it's hockey. Okay, who's it going to? Uh, we're gonna, I'll start out with you, okay? Right. And you just got – and you should, you should be able to get these. Name teams in the central division in hockey. I hate that they went away from – There was the a realignment. So the central oh, division, you've got Detroit, Columbus, um, no, no, no. You just need to name wait, one. Wait, no, oh, you're sorry. wrong, Dennis. Okay, well, I just did two. No, Detroit's not in the Central Division. What do you mean Detroit's not in the Central uh, Division? There is the, the dumb realignment. Oh, realignment, Dennis. Oh, they did realign them. No, wait. What? No, you get this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Spencer, team in the Central oh, Division. Oh, God. It's stupid realignment. Uh, Chicago. It's horrible. Okay, Spencer has the lead Chicago, here. Chicago, Chicago. <laughs> Dennis, another team in the Central Division. God, Canada is turning Colorado. Over. What? Oh, Colorado. Avalanche. Colorado. All right, Spencer. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, the realignment's horrible. Now I'm yeah, trying to picture yeah. the geography. Dennis. Yeah. Arizona. Uh, what's their last name? Arizona. The Coyotes? What? Yeah. Oh, Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Man. They're not in the Central? No. No, I, th- I think they are. He's trying to find Okay. No, they're not. Okay, you did. Guys did horrible. I'm going to kill oh, on mean? this. I got, I got no, a couple. Spencer won that. Spencer oh, I know he did. That. Spencer won. I hate the realignment. I can't figure out who's in what. I just go west and east. That's yeah. all I okay. know now. Blues, I, don't know any the I don't even know what division the Oilers are in. All I know is west and east. That's okay. all I care about. Okay, it was uh, Blues, Avalanche, Jets. There's six Stars, divisions now. Blackhawks, so Predators, the Wild. Okay, right. moving on. Uh, moving right. on here. Okay, let's go to... This is pretty easy, okay. and you it, you got to name teams that have won the Stanley Cup. I can do this since two thousand and three. Oh, I got this, Spencer. The, starting out here, the Devils, the Devils, two thousand and three. I, I I got this one in the bag. You're a, you're a, wait, no, the Devils did not win in 2003. Yes, they did. I was there. What do you mean they didn't win? I was oh, there. Oh, 203. Okay, yes, I was looking. <laughs> giving him actually 03. Yeah, okay. okay. Penguins. Penguins. All right. The Red Wings. The Kings. We're going quick. We're going quick. All right. Kings. The Blackhawks. We're going quick. The Rangers. No. Oh, uh, no. Not the it's Rangers. It's 2000. No. I said, what? I said since 2003. No. The Rangers didn't win in 2000 either. They when did they win? 94. 
Is that okay. long ago? No, they won since then, didn't they? crushing you. Go ahead, Spencer. Uh, you, got oh, you want me to keep going? Yeah, I'm getting killed. More. I'll keep going. One uh, more for the win. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, they won last year. Okay. So, Dennis, you, you've wow. already lost. You've already lost. Wow. We'll still do, we'll do the, net, the, uh, the next I game. Hand, I can't handle the pressure of this just game. Keep, just keep on going. Okay, we'll this is the final one. Okay. This is easy, I thought. Um, start with Spencer here. Okay. Conn Smythe winners since 2004. Oh, that's hard. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my God. Uh, since 2004? <sighs> oh, oh, man. Okay. Uh Cindy Crosby. That's like an obvious. Game. Okay. Dennis. Jonathan Quick. Oh, good one. Damn. Um, Jonathan Taze. Yeah. Oh, you gotta think who won. Um, yeah, this is tough. Ryan O'Reilly. No. Oh, he won it last, didn't he last, last year. Last year. Last year. I took the obvious one. Uh, <laughs> I'm scrambling. Uh, Ovechkin. Did he win? Okay, I don't know who won. Oh man. I don't I'm know. in trouble. This is tough. I don't know. Uh, another one. Lidstrom in there? Oh, good guess. Mm-hmm. Didn't win it. I guess not. Spencer for the win, for the complete shutout. Oh, Holy. Wait, 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 wait. Ready? 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 Yeah. Justin Williams. Yeah, sleep on hockey. Oh he my god, me. Canada. He killed me. Oh, Jesus, Murphy. You know what? I will say though, it was a lot revolving around the playoffs there, and we haven't had a Canadian team win the playoffs <laughs> since '93. And I will also True. say, is I'm one of those fans that don't watch non-Canadian teams. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't I mean, care about hockey my, when it's the Canadian teams aren't in it. We haven't you, had a Canadian team win since 1993. That's incredible. Give me my honorary. Uh, so, it's yeah. been very disappointing. Okay. I'm no good with the playoffs. All right. Um, wow. Making excuses. All right. Jordan and I are going to switch seats again. Uh, Dennis, do you have any final thoughts? I'm going to take major heat from this if any of my friends were listening to it. I'll tell you that. So, uh, I don't lot, think you have to worry about A lot about of heat that. I'm going to take over the weekend for this. So I really... I really performed poorly here in this game. Okay. Pressure. I'm no good okay, with the well, pressure. I know. I'm, yeah, you can trade it. It gets to me every time. I'm like, I'm like the deer caught in the headlights. I can't think. My mind just goes blank. Uh, like, I can't think. The pressure. Uh, we'll have to think of one for Thanksgiving uh, next week. Spencer will be out. I'll be running the controls. But uh, anyways, uh, my final thoughts here. Are 1450 was the high from yesterday. That's current high. I'd be looking for a little, I don't know. It just seems like we're tight here. Uh, 1850, you got two closes above that. So that's what I'm looking at uh, for targets. Your all-time closing high was on Monday at 2175. So a lot of numbers up there as potential resistance on the downside. Uh, pre-market low comes in at uh, 0050. I think you'll find buyers at the close ahead of that. Actually, is- I, I have it uh, for Wednesday. I, we'll do, let's do it on Wednesday. Okay. I, I already have. I, I already have the category and the questions that are already done. Oh, really? I, yeah. Me well, versus Dennis? Yeah, I already. I don't want to. Oh, I gotta go again. I'm kidding. Uh, have I ever won one? I don't know if I've ever won one before. All right. Well, okay. Let, let's do it this way. If you want to, uh, if you want to do it with us. Email us premarket at finzinga.com and you can uh, you can come on with us. Um, that's it for our show today. I want to thank our guests John Inch and of course the the Brent Slav over there on our news desk. Thank you for coming on for thanks for coming on Brent and spreading the uh, Tesla 
skepticism, I guess you can say that. So uh, thanks to all of you in our chats. Um, please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Catch our podcast if you miss any part of our show or rewatch us on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Oh, we didn't talk about the uh, the brokerage stocks today, the follow through, but uh, what are they? Well, they why have? are they down? Is there, uh, is there um, a little skeptic? We haven't heard of the deal yet. No, thing. no. They, they, they both said, both Fox and CNBC both said yesterday, deal imminent probably today. That didn't happen. So Good, de- good call on that Triple D yesterday. You were skeptical about the whole thing, the way everything I was just thought it was public. ridiculous that they were, Schwab was up that much on it. So obviously Schwab opened the highs and sold off. Thought it was also ridiculous the Ameritrade was. Uh, anyways, I, I get the synergies. I totally understand the synergies. Makes sense. I, we, we went through this before, but I just don't get why you kill a business model and then go buy the company. So Right, and they're trading above. Eric Schwab is trading above where it was before they knocked out the commissions. So um, you Schwab know. and Ameritrade both. Yeah. Like, are these companies better now than they were when they had commissions? That's what you're saying if you're buying these stocks up here. That's, that was my argument. That was my point. I mean, they still have good revenue streams. They still have payment for order flow. They still get the interest, obviously, you know, and, uh, and on the accounts. But you know, and, and the lending possibilities of that, I guess, if you're Schwab. But it's still, I look at this and think, you used to get, you know, six ninety five a trade. Now you're getting nothing. And all I, of a sudden, Ameritrade's worth more than it was that day. I just have trouble grasping that. That's all. All right. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.